Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Before we get into today's episode, I am going to do some housekeeping, some very exciting housekeeping. We are growing at Mind Body Green, including on the beauty team. We are looking for a full time beauty assistant editor. In this role, we are looking for someone who is eager to write, loves clean beauty, and is passionate about wellness. Plus, you'll get to work with me. If you want more info, go ahead and visit the website, scroll all the way to the bottom, and click on Jobs. That will take you to our career section where you can learn more about the role. Okay, so on to the episode itself. I am not going to spend too much time on this introduction because the woman who I have on today deserves all of the airtime for herself to tell her own story. Norma Kamali is the famed designer who is behind several iconic looks, including the Diana dress, which just recently went viral as it made an appearance on the new Sex in the City reboot. I actually ordered the dress prior to its Carrie Bradshaw-inspired resurgence back in December, and it is already one of my favorite purchases. She's also famous for her skin, views on aging, and wellness habits. This is an episode I have been eagerly awaiting for a long time. I actually had her on my list of quote-unquote ideal guests a year ago when we started dreaming up this podcast So to say that I am excited about this episode is an absolute understatement. Without further ado, I want to welcome Norma. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here with you, Alex. Well, I am so thrilled that you are here. I am a longtime fan of yours. You have famously gorgeous skin, so I feel that we are going to be able to learn a lot from you. I can't wait. But before we get into some of the nitty-gritty there, You know, you have such a long and inspiring career, and I know our listeners would love to hear at least just a little bit of it. You know, I know that you've shared your story before, and so we don't have to get into all the details, but, you know, can you please just share, you know, how you got your start? Well, I I really want to start by saying that I had in my head that I wanted to have a creative life. I couldn't really identify it. And ultimately, I am having a creative life. So the point being that I started thinking that I wanted to be a painter. And my mother redirected my brain cells by saying, I don't know who's going to pay your rent, but I'm not. So maybe you should think about some other things. So fortunately, besides a scholarship, that I got for painting. I also got a scholarship at FIT for fashion illustration. And so I studied fashion illustration. I I took a lot of anatomy classes for my painting. And ultimately, I didn't really want to do any of those things. So I got on a plane and decided to work at an airline so I could travel. And I worked in the office and I traveled to London round trip for $29 every weekend for four, over four years. And during that period of time, London 
was beginning to explode into a revolution that changed the world. And I was there at the right time, at the right place. And I realized that that was who I was and what I wanted to do. And fashion felt so revolutionary and innovative and new. And my mind was right there. And I just went with it. And and that was it. My dream came true. I found the medium at the right time. Prior to that, it was madman time with matching hat and gloves and, you know, girdles and garter belts. And I hated it. I hated everything about that fashion. And I just couldn't relate to it at all. And obviously, it was a generation separated from my generation. So, so I was very lucky. I Sometimes you have to make bold moves. And I traditionally am a very conservative person and I would have gone along the path, but I was really, I was clearly not happy with the choice I made. And I realized I had to see the world, see what was going on. And then, wow, I found London was just starting. People weren't even talking about it yet. I do feel like you are somebody who does make bold choices. You know, you said that you made the bold choice of direction in your life. And I'm curious, is it scary to you? Because I do feel like I'm able to interview a lot of people who, who do make these decisions in their life where they go in a new direction or, you know, something spurs them to just start anew, start afresh and make these bold choices. And I'm always so curious to see from, from your point of view, what it feels like when you decide to go in a new direction or make a choice or stand out from the pack in any way. Is it scary? Is it inherent to you? What does that feel like? Well, you know, Alex, most of the really big decisions I've made in my life, including that one, because the impetus really came from a job interview I had. And that job interview was horrible. The, the, uh, here I was, a FIT graduate. I had a portfolio. I went on a job interview and there was a man eating a tuna sandwich with a speed up asking me to put my portfolio down and turn around for him. And I was like, what? My head exploded. And you have to understand this is the 60s and women's place was very different from the way we see ourselves now. And he was the power in the room. And I heard my mother's voice saying, you have to get a job. You have to get a job. And, and I remember turning around and being so humiliated that I did that, that I ran out of his office with my portfolio crying and thinking, I, I don't want to work in this industry. I can't work in that environment. So he is, was the inspiration, unfortunate inspiration, but he pushed me out the door. He didn't let me go into a job that would be no good for me. 
he pushed me way out. He pushed me on a plane. And so I can, I can count the situations where either the situation was awful or a person was just unbelievably difficult where if I stayed, I'd lose my soul. If I stayed, like if I would have turned around and stayed for that job, my life would have been in a very different place. And if I would have stayed in other situations or allowed those negative interactions to decide my future. So I think we all have those. I think we all have these horrific situations. And I am a firm believer at 76 that you pay attention to those because it's the universe stopping you, like putting, making it so horrible that you don't push forward, that you make a change. And, and they are very difficult. There's nothing pleasant about them. But the alternative of staying is worse. It's definitely yeah. worse. It is incredible the sort of decisions that we make out of survival and how those can not always, but if you're lucky, turn out to be some of the best decisions that you make. I'm curious, you know, you have so many iconic designs. You have so many iconic moments in your career. Do you have any favorites that stand out? Probably not. I think I, I have a great, I'm in a great situation now because I'm going into my 54th year of being a designer and having four collections a year. So it's a lot of designs that I've done through the years. And I think when I do them, that moment of creating something is extraordinary. It's, it's, it's a great high and creativity is a great high for me. And I see what I really think is my favorite is that many of them shockingly have incredible longevity. And, you know, we talked about the Diana dress or now the carriage dress, but I, I designed that in 1973. And what happened was that dress was made out of a fabric that 1973 was capable of producing, but we've evolved and evolved and evolved. And so I've evolved that style, creating a bodysuit inside of it so that it really gave a great fit and having a fabric that lasts a long time and that you can wash, you can wash that dress and hang it up and you're good to go. So, but the idea of the dress is that old. I mean, it's 1973 and the sleeping bag codes from the same period. So the seventies in fashion, by the way, were very creative for me, but also extraordinarily creative for the fashion industry in New York. And a lot of the designs from that period of time find themselves re-entering 
the atmosphere throughout the decades. And so I think the longevity of a lot of the designs I've done and the fact that they're still doing really well is what I'm more proud of or more excited about than maybe one specific design. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense to see something, you know, serve people throughout, you know, multiple decades as quite an accomplishment. You know, you wrote a book last year. It's a part memoir, part book of inspiration, part advice. It's kind of this like really beautiful coffee table book that just has um, so many facets to it. What inspired you to write it? What was your mission? Well, I think part of my purpose in this lifetime is really about servicing women. I mean, I have been a service provider for women for a long time. And I, because I'm, I have a business and I'm an entrepreneur and I don't have any partners. I'm, you know, I'm the owner and the founder of this business. I have information to share just in that capacity. But I also have information to share as a woman who doesn't have children. I chose not to have children. And in the time that maybe other people have had children and have been taking care of kids, I've been learning about healthy lifestyle. I've been learning about other things that were of personal interest to me through the years. And I realized that sharing what I know is really an important part of what my purpose is. And I have, through the years, I think, developed a certain amount of trust with the people who know me through the years and have worn my clothes. And so I respect that trust in everything that I share. All the information I share are things that I've tested and learned about and studied as a very good student, especially with Andrew Weil. And, and I, I really felt that the book had two purposes. One would be a handbook for women, because each decade in a woman's life is very significant and, and specific about that decade. We're all different. But there is, there's a thread that stays the same in each decade. Learning about what to expect in that decade is extremely helpful. And then the other part, and I use my life stories to share, to, to kind of be an example of what I was explaining. And then the other is tips about healthy lifestyle. And, and I felt it was important to talk about how uncomplicated healthy lifestyle is. And that, as you know, in this business, there are 9 million products every day. One is going to save you over the last one you tried. And the truth is, it's great that there are so many, but the truth is some of the simplest products with the best ingredients, you know, those timeless ingredients that work, really are the answer. And some of practices about sleep and about fitness and, you know, diet, obviously, some of the simplest concepts 
really, really work and are the best. And so I decided to put all of that in, in the book and really keep it simple and make it a handbook that you could use at any time in any section and get some tips. Sure. I had it on my list of questions to ask you, what is your well-being philosophy? And would you say simplicity is a part of it? Yeah, totally. I think the, and the smarter I am about, about healthy lifestyle, the more I learn, the simpler it gets. And, and I realized there, there's technology, there's interesting technology that I'm fascinated with. And there are things like acupuncture and, and those timeless practices that I think work, but keeping it really simple so that you can, you can practice in a way that doesn't sort of get skipped or you don't cheat yourself, you know, like the, just thinking about what you're eating and sleep and, and exercise. If you keep all of those things really simple so that you can follow a method and a system to really treat yourself with love by doing it in a simple way, then you don't think, oh my God, I stopped, I'm not eating properly, I have to go back on my diet or whatever, or I'm not sleeping. And yeah, that can happen, but maybe a day or two. And you, then you, you have to go back to what you're doing. So you're right, it's simplicity that really is extraordinary. So follow-up question to that, because, you know, beauty and well-being go hand in hand, is what is your beauty philosophy? Again, simple. I, when I was 19, it took me probably over two hours to just do my hair and makeup, because at the time you teased your hair and you would do these big monster hairdos, and I definitely did. And I would put individual lashes on and I did this old-fashioned pancake makeup and, and I spent a lot of time doing it. And I'm glad I did. It was a lot of fun and I've worn every kind of makeup through the years. But I realize as every year goes by, the more you simplify, the better you look. And the more natural you look, the better you look and, and sort of the healthier you look. And when you look healthy, you look not, I don't want to say younger because I don't want to look younger. I want to look like a healthy version of my age, right? So I'm not wearing any, actually, I'm not wearing anything. I'm not even wearing my, my stuff. I'm just wearing moisturizer. That's it. I, I have a lip stain on, which is like a lip gloss. I have mascara and brow brush and I, and that's it. And I'm, because it's the winter and the inside dry and the outside dry is so bad. I'm really putting on lots of moisturizer and I'm really paying attention to that. And I'm working out a lot 
And so I'm drinking a lot of water and I'm drinking a ton of juices, more than I actually do in the summer because keeping moisturized, you know, topically and internally is really, really helpful. And of course, I have olive oil every day. So I think it's inside, outside and really focusing on doing everything you can just to keep moisturized. Because in, in, in our world where it's dry, extremely dry this time of the year, it's really, it's, it's a little extra, but I'm, I'm using one moisturizer. I'm keeping my, my makeup is simple. And it doesn't mean I don't do more when I want to, but I really like my skin showing because my skin shows my age too. And if it's, if it's at its best, then I don't have to hide it with makeup. So by exposing your skin and moisturizing it, it looks better without makeup. I think that's not a bad you know, tip for everybody, actually. I, I agree. You mentioned olive oil and you famously love olive oil. Can you tell us the draw there? And you have some, you take it every day, right? Do I remember that correctly? I, I, I drown myself in it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I okay. love, I love it too. And I just, I, I work with a few really fantastic orchards and my favorite, favorite one, a friend of mine runs it and she does special blends. And so I gave, we now obviously sell it on our website, but I also gave all of my friends a special blend that I did for me that is so great. And so it's so delicious. I can't live without having it every day. So you obviously have the skincare line. So this kind of was born out of your obsession with skincare, out of your obsession with olive oil, these simple beautiful ingredients. Did you start it because people were begging you for your secrets? Because I feel like uh, that would be, I would be forcing you to start a skincare line had you not already. Well, what I, I think what happened was in, um, just as I was turning 50, I decided, okay, no more makeup. You can't put that, you can't cover your skin anymore. It's just not pretty, doesn't look good. You see makeup first, no matter how invisible makeup is, it's visible. It just is. So I was working with a, a company, Warner Cosmetics at the time, working on a scent with them. And I told them that I didn't want to uh, wear makeup anymore. And they said, well, let's do a skin line. And so I developed the, the concept of, and mostly, I mostly use sea algae at the time, which is also great. And the idea of it was that there was a cleanser, a moisturizer, color developer, kind of a takeoff on a tanner, but not an actual tanner, and, and an exfoliant. And a pencil moisturizer with a tint and a brow brush. And that was the whole thing. And so I did that 
but this was pre pre everything. And so I made cassettes and they sold in kiosks in Bloomingdale's with video cassettes that you pop in big, big old, big ones. And, and you get instructions on how to use it. And we also sold it to their catalog. Fast forward to 9-11, when I opened the Wellness Cafe, I had just done my little adventure. So I'll tell you a little story about my olive oil adventure, because it should be inspirational to kind of take some of these, these little adventures and use them. So I was a big baseball fan. And during 9-11, I was at a baseball game and I was sitting next to a bunch of guys that were big fans. And one guy next to me was from Barcelona. And he told me he was actually, he was giving up his finance career and he wanted to bring the best olive oils in the world to the States. And he invited me to go with him on an excursion to find the best olive oils after I told him about how much I knew about olive oil. And I would never be that spontaneous, ever. So he called me in March and I went with him and we went on this olive oil adventure and it was extraordinary. It was an adventure on every level. And that's how I opened the Wellness Cafe and the feature was olive oil. While I was going from orchard to orchard with him, I started to meet these women who had these products that they developed in the orchards. And one of those products was this moisturizer that I then evolved a bit into the moisturizer I did then and now have today. And it is an old-fashioned remedy grandma kind of remedy that is the most extraordinary moisturizer. It is not just a moisturizer, but it's also sort of a, a cure-all for everything. It's a liniment moisturizer and it is magnificent. And so from my adventures, these kind of things happen. And, and it wasn't so terrible going to Barcelona and then driving through the Olive Belt and doing these trips and having that adventure. So I say, have an open mind, ladies, because you never know. Well, let's talk a little bit more about olive oil and why it does such wonders for your skin. You know, what, what are benefits that people can expect when they use olive oil? Well, I think the most important thing to think about is that there are endless possibilities of what you can do with olive oil. But the most important thing is that you can put it on your skin and you can ingest it. So that is telling you it is one of these timeless ingredients that work, right? There, it's, there's the same thing with salt. You can take salt baths, you can do salt scrubs. There are so many of these simple, timeless ingredients, and olive oil fits in that. And it not only is something you should include in your diet and don't think about it as a fat that's going to make you fat. Think about it as something that's going to keep you lubricated on every level. You will 
benefit in every way from consuming olive oil. And then products that have olive oil, I always find having these benefits. And I think the products that I make with olive oil have the best olive oil and the best ingredients to go with that simple concept. We've talked a little bit about aging throughout your other answers. And, you know, you speak so eloquently on the fact that you want to look your age. You just want to look the best for your age. And that's definitely something that, you know, we talk about a lot at Mind Body Green. That's something that I adopt with my own skin. And so, you know, I'm curious for you, what is it, what does it mean to age gracefully in this respect? And what is it, what does it mean to embrace your age in a world that doesn't necessarily encourage that? Well, I look at it as aging with power. Wow. I don't look at it. I, I don't want to age gracefully because gracefully sure. looks a little submissive. Mm. I want to age aggressively. I want to be upfront about my age and how I feel at my age. And I think one of the things we all have to think about is when you're 20, you start thinking about how old you are. It's part of our culture. You think about how old you are. Everybody is thinking, oh my God, another year has passed and I haven't met my soulmate. Oh my God, another year has passed and I don't have kids. Oh my God, another year has passed and am I going to ever have the job that I really want? Everybody it's not just people my age, but everybody. In fact, some of the biggest fears about aging are with 20-year-olds and 25-year-olds and 30-year-olds. 30-year-olds are having, you know, anxiety attacks and crying on their pillows because they are 30 and now they've aged out of the dating market into another market. So all of that. I'm 30 is, and I'm right there and it's only okay. gotten worse because of the pandemic. Okay. You're spot on. But you need to get over it because, because you need to just push that out of your head and think about, first of all, the pandemic is, is a separate conversation that I'm happy to go back to in a minute. But for every 30-year-old, all of you, including me, all of us between 29 and 31, not only in astrology is it a Saturn return, but this is one of the big transitions in a woman's life. It's a marker and it is just that. And you need to go through the tears. You need to go through the anxiety. You need to go through all of that. But I promise you, Coming out the other end is so much better than getting locked in the fears of missing out. You're missing out. You're missing out. Now, the pandemic is real and it's affected all of us. So everybody at any age will tell you a story about how the pandemic is screwing up their lives, right? Whether you're a seven-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 27-year-old, it's like it, all of us. But for, for you guys, I think it's really, really important that you get out and you socialize. You just do. You, had, you just had your, your booster. You're fine. You can do it. 
you, you must get out there and socialize and you have to create the social events. You have to make them up. You have to do these with your friends. You have to decide that you're going to get together a group of people, have a bottle of wine, tell stories, have music, do whatever you have to do, whatever socially you want to do to get people together and invite everybody, anybody, every age, any, just invite people so that you're, you're mixing and you're communicating. And I would tell your mother or any aunt or anybody who is asking you about if you have a boyfriend or you're getting married to just fix you up with someone. If they're so worried, just fix me up with someone. Because you know what? I met my soulmate through an ex-boyfriend when I turned 65. No kidding. The last person in the world I would have thought could pick the right person for me. But he did. And I believe people that know you and care about you are going to find good people for you to know. And so you tell everybody who's putting pressure on you to introduce you to someone. If they really want to introduce me to someone. And I, I really think that more and more people should be doing that for people they love. For every girl that is 30, there should be four or five people thinking about who to introduce her to. And that would be a very good thing. That would be a great thing for you. And you should tell people, look, I'm, I would love an adventurous guy who likes to travel. You know anybody? Guess what? If you don't put the word out there of what you're looking for, who's going to know? Don't keep it a secret. Don't be shy about it. I think you have to be very aggressive about the fact that, you know, you've been locked up just like everybody else. And we, and you guys need to create social situations. You're all young, mostly healthy. Just do it. I mean, yeah. I don't think you could stay inside anymore. It's just no, not. Certainly it. not. It's not sustainable. It's so funny, even though this is a beauty podcast, I'm always surprised how much of it does like come back to relationships and not just date. Obviously, we talked a little bit about dating there, but just relationships in general. I do think that for some reason, these conversations always turn into a conversation that has to do with relationships. And I do think there is like a connection there because, you know, beauty is inherently about connection and inherently about, you know, working with people. And I'm curious, are there any relationships that have influenced your views on beauty and wellness and, you know, your philosophies there? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think just from from mentors that have really taught me a lot. Horst from Aveda was such a brilliant man. And I was very lucky to be friends with him. And I wore red lipstick every day of my life and red nail polish every day. I never thought I would ever, I thought till the day I die, I'm going to have big red lips and my red nails and that's me. And he 
he put a document like this thick down in front of me and he said, I want you to read this because makeup is making women sick. Beauty products are making people sick. And I've done this research and it's very hard to get the word out because advertisers don't advertise it and magazine is writing about it or it gets complicated. And so I read, I read the document and I stopped wearing red lipstick and I stopped, you know, the, the, the information was just overwhelming and it frightened me. It frightened me to the point where I decided that I thought that was my identity, but my identity was to be healthy. And so he was a great inspiration on a lot of levels. But I also think that the way we look and the amount of makeup we wear and the message we send to people, whether it's men or friends or whatever, is, is this mask we're wearing hiding who we really are or expressing who we really think we are? What, what, what is the mask about? And ultimately, ultimately, if you're close with someone that or you're going to be close with someone, that mask is going to have to disappear somewhere along the line. And I think that that's an important question because when it comes to most men or people we relate to intimately, they really want to know who we really are. And we have to feel really good about the way we look without makeup and with makeup, right? I mean, I, I like getting dolled up and I, I've been experimenting with red, red lip colors now that don't have all the dyes and are becoming evolving more. But the truth is the way you look when you're sweating, when you're working out is probably the most beautiful to people you would be attracted to and that would be attracted to you. And it's important to really think about that because we love the process of makeup. We love the transformations. We love that whole, you know, taking, I mean, we're addicted to taking pictures of how we think we will look, whether it's with lenses and filters or not. But in real life, there are no filters. There's just nothing to hide behind. And so how you look without makeup should be a very healthy, good version of you in the same way that I think of it, because I, I don't want my, I don't want to look like I'm hiding my age. And you want to feel confident about the person you're presenting. And I think the more confident women feel, the less makeup they have to wear. If you want to, because it's a certain way that you want to look for a certain event. But if you can look confident 
and feel confident about who you are and the person you've become, I think makeup serves another purpose, right? Yeah. It's not going to hide you or create a mask. It's going to sort of enhance who you are, right? It should be more in that world than, than sort of this mask. Yeah. It's funny when I think about the relationship between how much makeup I wear and, you know, where I am in life, there is like that connection where when I am more confident and when I am more secure in myself and where I, you know, whether it's job or relationship or friends or whatever it is, or just, you know, inner self-confidence, there is kind of that connection there between how much I'm doing to myself in the morning versus not. So I think you're absolutely spot on there. And before we go, I, I absolutely need to ask you your daily routine. You know, what what do you do in the morning and evening for your skin? And and then I also want to get some of your daily wellness have to, must have items, things like that. Well, I think some of the, the best advice I have for skin is working out, working out, working out. Absolutely. There is no substitute for the tone of your skin, the firmness of it, the color, the fact that you're sweating out toxins. All of that is super valuable. And then, you know, what you eat, obviously, too. I think alcohol is the worst thing for your skin. I think, talk about aging. If you want to age dramatically and not in a good way, just have two glasses of wine every day and you'll be, you'll be doing a good job at aging rapidly. I, I haven't, I don't drink and I never, I've never drunk and I interview so many people about aging, I, scientists and doctors and doctors that are uh, very savvy with hormones. And everyone, every single one are saying more and more evidence, alcohol just isn't right. And as your hormones are fluctuating, whether it's through puberty or menopause or all of the kind of roller coaster ride that women go through in their lives, hormones and alcohol, not good. Not good. So I highly recommend taking another look at alcohol intake, which also leads to sugar intake, right? It's basically very similar. And so I think when you can keep hormone levels sort of as even as possible, impossible, but as even as possible, it affects your skin positively and what you eat and working out. And then sleep, by far, sleep is the most important of all three. And finding a way to get a good night's sleep, thinking about it. I really put a lot of information in the book about sleep and how to manage your bedroom and a good night's sleep. I think that's critically important. And I think being happy and laughing and dancing and interacting is just 
So healthy. As far as what products you use, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just keep your skin moisturized. Don't wash your face with soap and water. Just keep your skin moisturized and, you know, be gentle. And I'm not a big SPF fan. I know this is not a popular concept, but I actually get a lot of guests who fall into your camp as well. So you're not, you know, you're not the only one who's concerned about SPF. But I do think the protecting your yourself from the sun is important. I believe having sun is good minimally and cautiously, but I also think just protecting yourself from the sun is really a, a key to good skin. Okay, so here Norma talks about protecting your skin from the sun and her uneasiness with sunscreen culture. We actually did a fascinating episode with MIT-trained chemist and author George Zayden a while back. The entire episode covered sunscreen, SPF regulations, the formulas itself, and how we should actually be telling people to protect themselves from UV damage. I definitely recommend listening to it as it will help illuminate what Norma's talking about here. My interview with him actually influenced my current views on how we talk about sunscreen and protecting yourself from UV radiation. Basically, this topic and area of discussion is far more complicated than it is usually portrayed in the beauty space, and it is worth taking a deeper dive into and questioning your own beauty habits. But more, more of healthy skin and good skin comes from lifestyle, from sleep, diet, exercise. I totally agree. I mean, you hit on so much of what we talk about at Mind Buddy Green. You know, those are some of the core pillars of our, our ethos and how they relate to skin is, you know, it's so evident. And as they do more and more research, it's becoming so much more clear and it's it's exciting to see that you know we are able to draw these connections in science backed research so that way more and more people just you know get on the train that they can't just rely on what they put on their skin it's a holistic mm-hmm. approach you know everything is skincare is what i always say yeah and i i couldn't agree with you more i so thank you for joining us today this has been such a pleasure. Not only did I walk away with some skincare advice, I walked away with some dating advice, which is very exciting for me personally. But I know that a lot of our listeners are around my age and probably in the same in the same boat. So I hope that other people can take that advice as well. And, you know, I I am obviously such a fan of yours. You are such an icon. I feel, you know, just so so honored to have you to come talk today. So thank you again so, so much. My pleasure. And just get out of the house. Get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. Don't you worry. Have a, have a, it was really great speaking with you. And thank you. You, you ask really good questions. So I'm happy that it was so great. Thanks. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for coming by and listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode and you like this podcast in general, don't forget to rate and review us and I will see you next week.